0: The Tennis Gambling Podcast and the Sports Game Podcast Network is brought to you by Neurotic Fantasy. Sign up today using promo code SGPN and then go to sportsgampodcast.com slash dog. 10 our bonus contest. Five winners will receive hats, shirts, and a $50 SGPN gift card. We're also brought to you by Hall of Fame Bets, sports-inriched platform for parlays, player props and game lines. Out the Hall of Fame bets at Use code SGPN to get 50% off your first month and start making smarter bets today. Welcome, everybody, to the Tennis gambling Podcast here on the Sports Game Podcast Network. It's currently late Wednesday night, February 28th, roughly 11 p.m. Eastern Time. I'm your host, Zoe, Scott Rochelle, once again going solo for this pod. Should be a fun episode, a bit of a shorter one. We only have four matches to preview. We are going to be talking about the quarterfinals in Dubai. So we're going to preview all four of those matches individually. Then I'll get into the lock and dog picks at the end of the show. We're going to do the actual quarterfinals for uh, Santiago on either Thursday night or on early, early, uh, Friday morning. So stay tuned for that. But the point is the matches will be taking place on March 1st. So we're going to preview that and the Dubai semis in the next episode. But for this one, only four matches should be fun. And hopefully we end up picking some nice winners. Now a reminder, before we get into the actual recap of the last episode, a reminder to hit the like button and subscribe on YouTube. Also a reminder, if you're listening to this on Spotify or Apple, hit the rate, uh, you can hit the rate button and review the podcast to give us feedback if you like the show. And hopefully, you do. Uh, besides that, though, if you want to support the show, we have merch. On the SGPN merch store, where we have hats, we have mugs, etc. If you want to support the tennis show, so you know where to go if you do want to buy a shirt. Now, as for the lock and dog picks from the last episode, overall we had a very good episode. Starting off with the lock, ended up winning. We had Dimonauer and Daniel under 20 and a half games at minus 110. Never in doubt, uh Dimmenauer dominated the head-to-head meetings in the previous encounters, and the same thing happened pretty Much to a T as Dimonauer, Barry Daniel, never in doubt, did win in straight sets. For the dog, we also won as we had Moutet money line at plus 110 against Bayina Was not easy, did go to three sets, was roughly three hours, but Moutet got it done and he got the job uh, done pretty convincingly in the third set. So, a nice sweep for us and look for another sweep here on on a Wednesday night, Thursday morning, etc. However, there was some news I want to at least talk about before recapping the Wednesday match. It kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with it. Andy Murray, he ended up losing in straight sets to Umber, was not very close as he lost 6-2, 6-4. Then after the match, Murray indirectly stated he's going to retire as he ended up saying he does not see himself playing past the summer. In reality, he's probably going to play Wimbledon, probably going to play the Olympics if he gets invited. I'm assuming he will. And then maybe the U.S. Open. But Andy Murray's career is close to being officially over. And I know he was critical of everybody calling him out for basically uh, the, the fact that he should be retiring a couple weeks ago. And he was pretty aggressive with with uh, pushing back against that. Maybe it wasn't exactly the argument that he was going to play for longer. The argument might have been he wants to retire when he's ready not when everybody thinks he's ready. It turns out everybody else was right because Murray changed his mind about a month later and realized, yeah, I'm probably not cut out for this anymore, and now he's going to retire. Now, Murray is an all-time great player. Uh, Unfortunately for him, he was born in the wrong era because if he was around without Djokovic, without Nadal, and without Federer, he would have won a bunch of Grand Slams Instead, he had to settle for being the fourth best player in the best era of all time. It is what it is, but either way, point is Murray uh, had a great career. Full disclosure, he's my least favorite player of all time, so I'm not going to miss him at all. But at least I'm going to point out that he definitely was a worthy adversary for the big three. He was number one in the world for a bit. Did win a couple Grand Slam titles, and I have to give him props for a great career, even though I didn't like him at any stage of it. Point is, though, Murray ended up deciding after losing to Umber, you know what, I've been embarrassing myself out here for a year and change. It might be time to move on with my life. I'm sure he'll still be involved in tennis, maybe solely for the UK for broadcasts. Maybe he'll be involved. I don't want to say coaching, but I do think at some point Murray will be in I don't know if he's going to be in a commentator booth. He's got a good personality off the court. So maybe you end up seeing him guest appear in a booth, kind of like what Kyrgios did in the Australian Open. But Murray had himself a great career, and it does appear he's officially realizing it is time to move on. Murray had, I mean, he's got a replacement. He has a replacement hip. He went to five sets against Kokonakis in the Australian Open for that all-time uh, phenomenal comeback there. I had a couple of marathon matches recently as well. Uh, He was known for last year for winning a bunch of marathon matches, and that's why I kind of nicknamed him the Marathon Man over the last year or so. He was a guy who never would quit. He'd always go down to the final point, and that's what we'll all remember him for, the gladiatorial spirit that he possessed. But unfortunately, the body just could not stay with the mind, and the body betrayed him. So it is what it is. Hip injuries are not ideal, as Myron, thanks for stopping by, uh, points out. They're not a joke. He had a pretty good couple months for the comeback. Did make a final last year in Doha before Medvedev killed him. So he hasn't really been that close to winning a title since. I said he was not going to win a title in about the last two years, and he did not. But the point is, Murray, very, very solid career, tennis Hall of Famer. And unfortunately, his career is coming to an end. As for the actual recap of the other matches. I'm gonna do Dubai first, then I'll move into Santiago. So I mentioned Murray already. Uh, going through the first match, we had Bu- uh, Bublik beating Greek Sport. Unfortunately, we did have Greek Sport to win the quarter. Pretty rough, very close match, but Bublik won both tie breaks. Ended up seeing Rublev beat Kaza. Not shocked there. We do have Rublev to win the tournament. Uh, Umber beat Murray. Yet he Heska. Beating Koshanov, fought off a couple of match points. Very, very entertaining match. He ended up winning 6-7, 7-6, 6-4. So Koshanov, I don't know if fatigue was really an issue. I just think Laheshko was better on some key points as he got the job done in a three-set marathon. Medvedev did lose the set to Sonigo. looked like he was on upset alert early in that match. Then he just completely overwhelmed Sonigo with consistency. Sonigo, we know, is a volatile player. He has talent, but he has a lot of ups and downs in individual matches, and he had a massive downswing for the final two sets. Corda though, absolutely destroyed Schulp De as he won 6-1-6-0. Absolute bloodbath. Good win for Korda. Schulp had a nice win against Manorino in the first round and then got run out of the building in the next round. Uh, you saw Mensik, though, retire in the second set against Fikina. Did lose a very tough first set 9 7 on the breaker, and then went down 1 nothing, and decided, you know what, I'm exhausted. I made the final in Doha. They gave me an iPhone. I don't have to be here. And he decided that he was too injured or too tired or both to continue, and he ended up retiring. So Vakina advanced, and you had her catch beating O'Connell in a competitive straight set win as he won 7 6 6 4. So not really many upsets per se in Dubai. Laheshka well, beating Kashanov was an upset, but it was competitive. I don't think that was the Most shocking thing you've ever seen. The most shocking thing I probably saw from the entire day in Dubai was Senegal winning a set. I just didn't see that happening. As for Santiago though, uh, you had a couple of competitive matches early and then pretty straightforward matches late. Uh, Martinez did beat Diaz Acosta as a bit of an upset there. Martinez though is a former champion. Mutet, our long shot guy at 40-1, to did win as he beat Tarante who ended up beating uh, Fonseca in the first round. Uh, Mutet did get the job done, so he is officially into the next round. Unfortunately, we did lose our, I'd say, middle long shot as we ended up having Seaboth Wild and he lost in straight sets to Fees. And Jari, a defending champion, did beat Coria in straight sets, 7-6, 6-2. And as for Los Cabos, uh, matches are kind of in the middle. Tiafo ended up losing in three to Kepfer, Uh, You saw Sissipas winning two. Shelton is currently up a set and down a break in the second, so we'll see what happens there. hour has been really good. Draper's been really good. And you've had a couple of upsets in that event already. Unfortunately, both of our outrights already went down as Fritz and Zverev both lost their first matches. So Los Cabos, uh, no bueno. Uh, Not Los Cabos, sorry. I mean um, Acapulco, no bueno. Uh, So that did not work out. Uh, hopefully the outrights do better in Dubai and in Santiago. But the point is, uh, not really going to add anything else to Acapulco. It's been pretty uh, surprising, some of the results with uh, Fritz and Zverev losing. And then you ended up having Tiafo, who's had a really horrible year. Really, ever since he lost to Shelton in the U.S. Open, he's been a mess. And that was the case once again, as he struggled against Purcell in the first round and then eventually got upset by kepfer On Wednesday. Now, as for uh, any other takeaways there, really not much else to add. The only thing I have to really mention, which I'm not sure if I should mention now or in the episode tomorrow, because it does involve Santiago and we're not really covering any matches, but I think I'm going to do it now. I mentioned it last year, but I feel like I have to bring it back. The courts themselves, Santiago, easily, even though it's a 250, has the worst court quality of any tournament on the entire ATP tour. And I got to bring it up. Now, last year I mentioned how the bounces were terrible. I thought the linesmen were absolutely brutal in that tournament as well. This year, the amount of terrible bounces you've seen in Santiago are laughable. The amount of dead spots. Fonseca basically got injured in the first set because his foot kind of got stuck in the clay while he was trying to slide. It has been an absolute mess when it comes to the overall, uh, I'd say courts themselves, either the inconsistent bounces, which are kind of standard on clay, but there's been so many dead spots. Mutet want to break point against Baena because the ball died happened again a day later. I'm not even joking. I know that Santiago's an entertaining tournament to follow. It really might need to be threatened to be demoted to a challenger event and like get its ATP 250 status removed because it's embarrassing to be an ATP event like that. And you not only have points being altered from bad clay, But players might get injured. That Fonseca fall looked pretty scary for a bit. He got up and he ended up playing anyway. But still, the point is, the court quality is abysmal in Santiago. It always has been. And until there's some type of threat made, they're not going to change it. It's an embarrassment to clay courts and it needs to be addressed. So I want to mention that. That's my brief little tangent on Santiago. It's been really, really bad clay. And keep that in mind when you are betting on the Santiago matches. Keep an eye out for bad bounces, because there's a lot of them on this particular surface. Now, moving on to the actual uh, preview for Dubai. Uh, we're going to start off in order. Uh, Yo, taking on Bublik. Vlaheska is a slight favorite about minus 113, and Bublik is around minus 107 on the money line. The over-under is between and 22.5 games and 23. 23 is minus 118 on the over, and and 22.5 is minus 135 on the over. If you want the game spread, you can find Bublik plus half a game at minus 114. Lashka minus half a game is minus 106. If you don't want to go with the over for sets, you can find the over 2.5 sets at plus 125. Shop around though; you probably could find a plus 130 or so. If you want Bublik in straight sets, you can find that at plus 250. Lashka in straight sets is plus 200. Now to go through he the head to I don't believe there are any between these two players, but it should be competitive uh, with the actual style of play for both of them. They never faced off to go through the path, though. You have seen Bublik look pretty vulnerable, but good enough in big spots. Did fall behind a set to Mokic, and then ended up getting the job done in three with a final set breaker, then one back-to-back breakers against Greek Spores, he won in straight sets there. As for Leshka. He had the upset win against Koshanov in three sets, and he also went to three sets against Fuksovics in the first round. So both guys have been involved in a couple of marathons so far in Dubai, and I do think because of that, this total does feel a little bit low. I do like Laheshka early in this match, though. Bublik, despite winning that first set against uh, Greeksport on Wednesday, has been really, really bad in the first set of matches. He seems to kind of thrive in the comeback role, and I do think Laheshka can get off to a good start in this matchup. But I do think you're looking at a spot where LaHeshka should probably be the favorite. Would I pick him? Probably not. I think I am going to link to Bublik. I just think based on the time on court disparity between Bublik yesterday and LaHeshka, I do think Bublik might be able to outlast LaHeshka if it does go a, a decent length. Bublik ended up beating Greeksport in an hour and 48 And I don't know if LaHeshka's match officially reached three hours. I'm going to check. I think it was hovering around three. But the point is, he was on the court for a long time in each of the first two rounds. And I do think that Bublik, based on the fact he's won a title already this year, yeah, the match for LaHeshka was about two hours, 53. So about an hour longer on court on Wednesday. I do think Bublik has a slight edge here, uh, just based on trusting him a bit more in the big moments. Yes, he's a head case. but LaHeshka can be, too. I like the over, though as my favorite play, basically a pick'em line uh, for the money line prices for L'Heshka and for Bublik. So you're expecting a coin flip match, which could go three sets. Each guy's gone over this number in their matches in Dubai so far. Give me the over, 22.5 here at about minus 135. I don't mind the sets. I don't mind 23 flat, but I am going to go with 22.5. Uh, yeah, Bill said he's never heard of a dead spot on clay before. Look it up. Trust me, uh, I know Tennis TV does a pretty good job of uploading highlights from the event. Watch the Moutet and Baena highlights, and there's one break point in the first set. You'll know exactly what I'm talking about. It is one of the worst bounces on clay I've ever seen. The ball just absolutely dies. So look that up on Tennis TV if you want to find it. But there are a couple of dead spots. It is really bad in Santiago. So moving on. To the next match in Dubai, going to look at a matchup which should be decent on paper. You have Rublev at minus 205. Korda is plus 175. Over-under is set at 23 flat. For game spread, Rublev minus 2.5 games is minus 112. Korda plus 2.5 is minus 108. If you want to go for set wagering, the over 2.5 sets is plus 135. Rublev in straight sets is plus 125. Quarter to win a set is minus 155. Now, Korda's been really good. So far in this event, ended up destroying Kotov, and then he buried Dazan in the match on Wednesday. Looking at the path so far for Rublev, was dicey early as he almost lost to Zhang in the first round, but then looked really good in his, uh, his uh, following match as he was able to win in straight sets against Kaza. And you're going through the head-to-head. Rublev has owned Korda in the head-to-head. They faced off for seven sets, including the Australian Open this year. And Rublev has never dropped a set. So I guess by default, looking at the head-to-head, Rublev in straight sets at plus 125 is kind of appealing automatically. You can argue also the theory that if a player has a perfect match, he's automatically going to regress. Korda played basically the perfect match against Dezant Schulp. He only lost one game. I'm not a, a Dezant Schulp guy. But winning 12 out of 13 games is wild. I think is going to look a lot weaker in this matchup against a better opponent. Do I think he can keep it close? Sure. But I do think Rublev, based on the head-to-head advantage and winning the sets 7-0 head-to-head wise, I do think the value is on Rublev in straight sets at plus 125. He's the firepower. Korda maybe can once again make this match interesting, so maybe he'll snap that streak and win a set. But for the value alone, I do think there's some value on Rublev at plus 125 when he has owned Corda in every meeting they've ever had, even in the first meeting on hard court in the Australian Open this year. Now, moving on to the next matchup, you have Medvedev against Fakina. Medvedev is a pretty big favorite here, about minus 400, and you're looking at the line on Fakina plus 320. Over and games is set at 20 and a half. If you want the set wagering, Medvedev in straight sets is around minus 140. Fakina to win a set is plus 110. Match to go to three sets is plus 190. Uh, Medvedev minus four games is basically the spread, and Fikina plus four is the spread the other way. Now, uh, actually, yeah, you can find four and a half at minus 104 for Medvedev, and plus four and a half is minus 116 in favor of Fikina. Through the head-to-head, Medvedev's up 3 nothing, but Fakina has been competitive in a couple of these matches. They faced off in Indian Wells last year. Medvedev did win 6-3, 7-5. Faced off in Rotterdam last year. Medvedev did win, but did lose the first set. So that ended up going three, and they faced off in clay, on clay in 2021, and Medvedev did win that one in three. Uh, clay is Medvedev's worst surface. Yes, I know he won a Masters 1000 title there last year, but that was clay. I'm going to toss that out. That was also three plus years ago. So for Rotterdam and for Indian Wells, it does tell me that Fakina can keep this match somewhat competitive. Am I picking him to win this match? No, absolutely not. I think Medvedev going to win. He is the defending champion, and his game is translated well. But he did drop a set the Sun ago, so I do think Fakina can keep this interesting. The problem is Fakina's a head case, and we know his serving could be an issue with double faults. The unforced errors are going to be an issue, and Medvedev is so patient behind the baseline, he's going to test Fakina's mental toughness. Spoiler, he's not that tough mentally, so I think that is eventually going to blink on a couple of long rallies, a couple of key points, and he might end up surrendering a break, a double fault, but I do think is going to win, probably competitive, I kind of see a similar scoreline to Indian Wells, I see a straight sets win, but not exactly a straightforward one, I think you might see a 7-5, maybe a breaker in there, but I do think Medvedev's going to win in straight sets, so I am in to lean to the minus 140. Moving on to the last match, should be a very competitive match, between catch and Umbert. Her catch is around minus 122 on the money line, and you have Umbaer at plus 102. Shop around though; you can't find better prices for the game spread. Her catch minus one minus a half a game is minus 113. You can find Umbaer plus half a game at minus 107. Over under for games is 25 and a half. The over is minus 108. The under is minus 112. If you want to go for set wagering, the match to go to three sets is around plus 120, plus 125. Her catch to win in straight sets is plus 200 and Umberto in straight sets is plus 260. Now, as for the path of both players, Herketch has been fine, but vulnerable. He beat O'Connell in straight sets, did have a breaker in there, though. Should have lost to Struff in the first round, did end up winning in three. Every uh, set went to a breaker. You had no breaks in the entire match. Struff did have two match points in the tie break, and Herketch had a lucky net cord to stay alive, and eventually won the match. But the point is, Herketch has been vulnerable recently, and I do think he is definitely uh, susceptible to an upset here, especially since Zoom Bear has been in good form. Uh, Venge has loss against Monfi in Doha as he beat him in, in three sets, then beat Murray in straight sets on Wednesday. But they had faced off four times in the head, Ted. Her catch is 3-0, and but they did face off in Marseille, uh, a couple weeks ago in February, and you might remember that Umber did beat her catch in straight sets so the point is Umber is the most recent winner between these two and he has looked in my opinion like the sharper player and I do think that her catch despite being a great server has been in a bunch of tie breaks and I do think that Umber's a lefty serve and the overall just craftiness to his game I think he might be a top 10 guy by the end of the year so I do think he's pretty alive to win this her I get why he's favored but I do think the price should be closer to minus 110 a piece. I see a really close match. I am going to lean to Umber on the money line at about plus 102. I found a plus 110, so I'll take that. I would lean to the over, but it's 25 and a half. I think I'd rather take the sets uh, probably at around plus 130, give or take. But simply put, give me the guy that beat this opponent in straight sets earlier, earlier this month, and he's getting plus money. That's a pretty good deal to me, so I am going to lean to umbear because of it that's gonna wrap it up though for the actual preview of the quarterfinals in dubai now it is time for the lock and dog picks for the quarters but before continuing before we get into any of that gonna have a quick word from our sponsor we're brought to you by Arctic Fantasy. Arctic Fantasy is the easiest place to play fantasy sports, and it's also the fastest-growing fantasy app in the industry. They also have great pick'em games, so you can pick whether your favorite players will go hot, will go higher or lower on stat totals in their upcoming games. You also can make a lot of, of uh, money because you can win up to 100 times your money in a single night. Pick between two and five players to build a pick'em entry can also make rivals picks which pits two players against each other so you can choose for example in a basketball game which player will have more points you could also look at some tennis they have some interesting options on the platform they have aces they have double faults a lot of creative options to look into but a reminder to sign up today with the promo code SGPN to get a first deposit doubled up to $100 as well as an instant pick'em special visit underwarkfantasy.com and f- or find them in the App Store. And don't forget to register with the promo code SGPN to get your first deposit double up to $100 with an instant pick 'em special. Must be 18-plus and present estate where Underdog Fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concern with your play? Call 1-800-522-4700 or visit www.ncpgambling.org. Also, a reminder that SGPN is teaming up with Underdog to give you even more of a bonus. Sign up between now and the end of the month and five winners will receive an Underdog hat shirt, and a $50 SGPN gift card. Sign up today using promo code SGPN and then go to sportsgamepockets.com slash dog to enter the contest for your chance to win. We're also brought to you by Hall of Fame Bets. Win bigger by betting smarter this NBA season with Hall of Fame Bets. Sports fan analytics platform for parlays, player props, and game lines. Research every NBA and soccer with historical stats and data. Enter any parlay idea. Hall of Fame Bets' revision and are tool to get hit rates broken down by leg as well as an expected probability for the entire parlay. Sort all players by hit rate for any bet toward which players are hot. And which picks have value? Stop back in the dark and join over 30,000 users reaching with Hall of Fame bets to craft more intelligent dad driven parlor. Download the app or visit and use code SGPN to get 50% off your first month today. Start researching, start winning with Hall of Fame bets. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast. Just finished previewing the quarterfinals in Dubai, those four matches taking place on Thursday morning. Now it is time for the lock and dog picks of the show. Starting off with the lock, I am going to go back to the first match between Bublik and Laheshka. I am going to go with the over 22 and a half games at minus 135. Each of Laheshka's last five matches have gone over this number. He was in two marathons in Dubai already, so he's no stranger to marathons. I think this one has the script. For another long one. Three of Bublik's last four matches have gone over this number as well, including each of the first two matches in Dubai. Unlike Laheshka, he did not go to three sets in the last match, but he still ended up winning 7 6 7 6 against Greekspor. So he's been involved in some breakers, involved in some long sets, and the same can be said about Laheshka. I see a very long match. Both guys are good at serving. The courts in Dubai have played pretty quick. And I do think breaks might be few and far between. We know Bublik is also no stranger to punting sets and potentially forcing a third set. So a couple ways to get there, either a breaker and a long straight set win uh, for one of these two guys, or you see them split the first two sets and you basically win automatically. Point is, though, I am going to go with the over as my lock in what should be a very close matchup, especially based on the odds where L'Heshka is about minus 113 and Bublik's about minus 107. Basically a pick'em. so you're expecting a 50-50 match. Give me it to play out that way. Give me the over in-games as my lock. For my dog, I am going to go to the last match here. I am going to go with Umber Moneyline at plus 110. Simply put, Umber beat her catch earlier this month on hard court. It was not his home country, but still, Umber finally exercises demons against Catch He was 0-3 against him. The matches were competitive, so it has been a close ri- a rivalry. But Umber finally got there, and I think he is in better form. catch was a tiebreaker magnet recently, either in Rotterdam or in Dubai, and you might end up seeing a break or two in this match. But the point is, Hercatch has been a bit vulnerable, uh, ended up having to fight off a couple of match points against Struff, a couple break points as well. He's been good, Not great, and Umber, I just think based on his current form, dating back for a couple of months, definitely has the game to beat her catch, and I do think that with him beating her catch earlier this month, intimidation won't be a factor, Umber is going to be in there for the long haul, and I do think that eventually her catch, if the first serve percentage does dip, I just have too many questions about his rallying game. I think the longer the rallies go, the more of an advantage Umber has, and I do think that's going to pay off for him. So give me Umber on the money line at plus 110 to repeat what he did in route to his Marseille title. So once again... My picks for the show, the lock is going to be on Bublik and LaHeshka over 22 and a half games at minus 135, and the dog will be on money Moneyline at plus 110. We're back once again for the Dubai semifinals and for the Santiago quarterfinals. Until then, though, find me on Twitter, at Rice show Radio. Find me on the NBA show. Find me on the WNBA show, the MLB show, the NFL show Get the point. And until next time, good luck to all of you and all of your bets. Bye, everyone.